Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Anne Janzer. She's a nonfiction book coach and author of multiple books on writing and marketing, human behavior, and cognitive science fascinate her. And she is always searching for clues to improve our communication. We're going to talk about her newest book, The Writer's Voice, Techniques for Tuning Your Tone and Style. So Anne, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back, John. It's great being here. So let's talk a, a little bit, obviously, voice and style, tone and style, writer's voice. I know prior to you writing your own books, you, you started writing other people's books, basically writing in other people's voices, right? And tones. Would you say that that kind of developed your fascination with this idea of voice? It was actually so I, I haven't done ghostwriting for books. I've done one one book, but it was my marketing career. I was a freelance marketer. And, hmm. you know, every week I pop over to a new company and try to figure out how to write in their brand voice. Right. And sometimes, actually fairly often with the small companies, I would define the brand voice for them. Uh, and then, you know, as blogs came out, I started ghostwriting for executives, blog mm. posts and interviews and all kinds of stuff. So that definitely piqued my interest in writing voice. And it, it taught me a lot and it got me interested in the topic. I think that, you know, there are I think it's the most neglected and misunderstood part of the writing craft, but there are four groups of people that pay a lot of attention. You know, ghost writers, obviously. Poets care a lot about voice. Uh, fiction writers, because they're trying to get their characters' voices. And marketers. And <laughs> marketers. Because they really care how they show up to their customer as part of that, that relationship with the, the, is the brand voice. So would you say that you feel like, yes, I have a voice. I know what it is. I've, you know, maybe I haven't perfected it, but I mean, I know when I'm doing it. You know, I feel there's a lot of talk about finding your authentic voice. Right. And I think voices are like shoes. There are shoes that fit us really, really well. But I wouldn't wear my hiking shoes to the opera or, you know, right. I mean, I think we we should be able to pull on the right one for the right occasion. And we almost know how to do that instinctively if we're intentional about it. So, yeah, when I first set out to write my first book, all of a sudden I was writing in my own voice and not the customers. And the first draft started coming out just too much like a corporate, like I wasn't yeah. there, like there was yeah. some, you know, so I had to keep going back. Uh, and it wasn't really till I got the second and the third edition that I of that book that I really got comfortable in what's my writing voice for a book? Right. What part of me do I want it to be? How do I want to show up for people there? What do they need to hear from me? And just as a writer, would you say that 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 that's something that matures in people? I I know I started really first writing seriously, you know, thirty years ago, and I look back at some of that now, and I it's, it's awful yeah. and. <laughs> Not not to say that my writing is brilliant today, but it certainly changed. You know, I do. I think even if you are writing in a voice that feels authentic and comfortable for the situation, you know, we change, we develop. Yeah. Our speaking voices age over time. So why sure, wouldn't sure. our writing voices change yeah. as well? Yeah, I and do think so. For me, I'll just use myself as an example. I became more authentic when I became more confident. In my writing, because yeah. I wasn't as worried about using big words or whatever it was I was trying to do. So, so let's talk a little bit about some of the early mistakes somebody might make when they're trying to find a voice. Sure. Yeah. So one thing we do is we, we try to write like the people around us and then 
we're not really comfortable. It's like wearing shoes that don't fit quite right. I think other people can tell we're walking funny because our shoes aren't fitting quite right. <laughs> so I keep going back to the shoe metaphor. I don't know why. But yeah, so people think, well, I want to be an expert. So I'm going to show up with the big words. That's the right. most common thing I see. Right. And that just backfires so badly with the reader if they're not familiar with those words, or you're just making them do extra cognitive work. And I'd rather have them focused on my ideas and not my sentence structures yeah. or not my not my vocabulary. So so that's a really common mistake. I think too often people think, oh, I'm going to write a book now, or I'm going to write this important essay, and I'm going to put on my serious writer hat, and I'm going to try to you know, think back to what I did in college and I'm going to do right. long sentences and I'm going to really try to up-level it. And that almost always backfires. It's not comfortable. It's not, it's, it's hard for the reader and it doesn't give them a really good sense of who you are because you're putting on something that may not feel legit to who you are. So. Right or wrong. There's a lot of advice out there, particularly in, you know, writing for business circles that talks about like writing at the eighth grade level or something, something like that, whatever the level is supposed to be some, somewhere less than you might write your college essay type of, of work, right? Is that, does that show up in voice? First off, is that valid? And secondly, does that show up as part of voice? So first I think it is valid in the sense that most marketing writing it's not that your customers are dumb or don't have college degrees, but they're reading it on their phone while they're in line for a Starbucks for heaven's right. sakes. You know, how don't, much don't, don't make me work. Don't make them work too much, right? If, and, right? And this is so true. If you're writing an email, my goodness, just you know, highlight the things you want people to do with it. So yes. So I think the eighth grade thing is valid. The really interesting thing, and there's a, a, a chapter in the book on this, is that most of those grade level things are based on two factors and two factors only. How long your words are, how many syllables there are in a word. And how many words there are per sentence. And yeah, so if you yeah. just go to some shorter words and shorter, shorter sentences, your grade level goes. And so you think, well, is that a legitimate measure? But I think it is because longer sentences make us keep more working memory involved in the sentence before we yeah. can close it and compute yeah. the idea. So I think that's legit. I, so that I was any, part one. Anyone who's edited my work over the years, I'm I, I use a lot of parenthetical phrases, and they just are always cutting those out. Darn yeah. it! <laughs> I, I am also a huge fan of the parenthetical. And you know what? You do what you need to do in your first draft, and then yeah. you can you can tune it in yeah. revision. So, so I'm I'm curious about this idea of selecting voice. I tend to think I write the same voice no matter what I'm writing, but that may or may not be true. But you know, is there kind of like, I'm going to choose this voice today, I'm going to choose this voice today, dependent upon the situation? Or are we really that flexible? Well, we are flexible to some degree. I mean, if you were writing something to a third grade classroom, I'm going to say you would write it differently yeah. uh, a little bit. You know, I mean, our, our relationship with the people we're communicating with, voice is just a writing is just another kind of human communication. And we yeah. have some native skills for that. What I want people to do is think about being intentional about the choices they make about how they're showing up. Uh, just because this is comfortable way for you to write and it's the way you've always written, is this what the reader needs from you in this situation? Do they maybe need more encouragement and less expertise? Do they maybe or or vice versa? I mean, what what does the reader need? And then you can lean into that part of your your natural human communication skills. You, I was going to talk about the reader because obviously every reader would probably interpret voice differently. I mean, somebody reads Cormac McCarthy, you know, for example, differently, probably not everybody gets the same thing out of that. Definitely. So how much, how much responsibility do we have to start with the reader? Yeah. Well, if we think about it, the voice is reconstructed in the reader's head. It, yeah. it's, it, it, it doesn't really live in the page. It only lives when it lands in the reader. So 
And to some extent, that's a little bit out of our control. Someone can show up in a really bad mood and just, you know, say your voice right. sounds like this or that. And we've all had bad reviews of something. Maybe it's like, wow, okay. I never saw that in there, but okay, you did. So we can be intentional and try to help the reader find it in the way that we hope that they will, that will be most helpful to them. Uh, I found, I cited a study in the book, which I think is really, really interesting. And it would be interesting to reflect on is when you read silently, a lot of people, mm -hmm. they kind of have a little inner reading voice. They are actually narrating to themselves silently and quickly, but they're narrating. And I've talked to people about this and some people are like, oh yeah, you know, I think it's my voice. Or if I know that the author it's their voice or, you know, but people kind of hear a voice. So your voice doesn't, your voice in writing yeah. doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to the reader, which is yeah. a crazy, crazy thought. And it is interesting. I know sort of along this lines, reading your own writing out loud changes, or maybe you put the inflection that you meant to be there, but it, it certainly yeah. can change or it's a good test almost, right? Am I, does this sound like what I want it to sound like? Because that's maybe how the reader's going to, or the listener's going to experience it. Yeah. Reading your own out loud, reading other people's writing out loud can tell you something about what they're doing, which is always really fun. And then getting like, you know, getting the computer to read your work out loud because they don't know what you were trying to say. And yeah. you might find out where somebody perhaps won't put the emphasis where you thought, and maybe you want to reconstruct that sentence to make sure that it's crystal, crystal clear. So those are all good techniques to get at how the voice lands. You you want an interesting experience. I've done this over the years. Read a book and listen to the author at the same time. And that is a uh, really, really immersive way to hear voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet it is. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, have you ever tried to hire freelancers and found that the quality of work was lacking? Or you got all the outsourcing excuses as to why the work didn't get done on time? Well, Desk Team 360 has revolutionized the outsourcing game with their insourcing program that eliminates all those frustrations and excuses. You get unlimited graphic designs, website funnels, CRM, email automation, integrations, automations, really anything that requires you to log into software. Imagine all the time and frustrations you can save from trying to get your tech work done properly. We use Desk Team 360 every day in our business. And so I've negotiated you a 10% deal. That's right. Just go to deskteam360.info, book a discovery call, and you'll receive the special duct tape marketing 10% off because, hey, your pal John always takes care of you. So that's it. Go to deskteam360.info and book your call today. All right. So are there... Like we have personality traits, are there, you know, writing voice attributes that, you know, that we can identify, that we can practice, that we can try to hone? Yeah, absolutely. There's a bunch of things that we can do. There's stylistic choices that we make that we can, we can use and experiment with. In the book, The Writer's Voice, I have people experiment at the extremes sometimes, like try to write something using only one syllable words. So, so, so hard, but really fun because it makes you think about the words that you choose. We can also try to plug into an emotion or we can try to plug into an intention that is not our normal one and really experiment. I think that most people find that their, their range of writing voice is much larger than they actually use most of the time. And they may find that as they push out to one side or the other, they find something really fun that they can bring in or that that might be a nice addition to the way that they normally write. Should you fight for some of your voice and style decisions? I, I know that one of the things that I, I think it's intentional now in my writing is I, I will list 
three things and I will leave out and. So instead of this, this, and this, I'll say yeah. this, this, this. And it's it's intentional, but it drives your Chicago style guide editor, you know, crazy. Yep. So are there things that once you know they're intentional, and I'm not saying that you always just say it my way or not, but I mean, are there things that you might do that are a part of your voice that you say, no, that's, that's just like a little trait. Absolutely. I think, I think people use, you know, that's, that's something that you do. People can use punctuation. We can legitimately use sentence fragments if we were using them well and know what we're doing. Right. So a good editor should never smooth out your voice, should never eliminate your voice. They might clear things that are in the way of people hearing the voice and that's legit. But right. you know, if you were in your case, if you're submitting to a publisher and this is your thing, just say, this is part of my style guide. This is the, <laughs> this is the John Chanch style. This is what I do with list of three. Okay, Deal with you, that. Heard, you heard it. You heard it here first and said, I can stop. I can start sentences with a preposition. Okay. So there. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Just say it's intentional. This is my personal style. <laughs> All right. So you use both these words, tone and style. And I'm curious if you could help us define those or, or at least differentiate those. Yeah. So style to me, and, and they're so often used interchangeably. Style to me is actually the set of tools that we use to put things on the page. So you know, I have the Chicago Manual of Style. The edition I have is like four inches thick or something. So many style decisions, right? Semicolons, it's, it, not semicolons. Get strunk and white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Much shorter. Well, it doesn't tell you what order things need to go in a book. I mean, there's, <laughs> this is like the, the Bible of, of yes. uh, stylistic decisions. So, so there's thousands of decisions and we do most of them without thinking about them and that's fine. But it's the, it's the tools that we have and tone is what those tools create. So style is maybe the painter's brush strokes. Tone is the picture. Right. And tone is the picture as perceived by the viewer. Tone of your reading is mm. the, the tone as interpreted by the reader. So I use stylistic things to project a certain tone and hope that it worked. <laughs> hope, cross my fingers and hope it works. So we're going to get into the format of the book itself, but I'm curious. I know you did some research and kind of led you to your decisions about what went in the book. Tell me a little bit about that project. So I did two things. One is that I, 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 interviewed a bunch of people about how they felt about their, their writing voice and what they thought about it. And I really found this, again, sense that it's something that most writers just don't really give that much thought to. And yet when you ask them questions about what they would change, they all have things that they would want to change about their writing, which I think is interesting. Hmm. And then I was working on this book and I started creating exercises to, to play with the different ideas. And I, I got a group of people, bless their hearts, let me send them these exercises once a week, crazy things to do. Some of them I really found out were way too hard or too involved. So right. I, I dialed them back and just tested them on people as well as myself, of course. And that it was interesting because John, I set out to write a traditional book. I was, mm -hmm. it was going to be a book and maybe there would be an accompanying work. And I was halfway through, right? All this research and they had maybe 20, 30,000 words of a draft. I mean, I was really in the book. And I said, you know what? Reading a book about writing voice is, and hoping to be a better writer is like reading a cookbook and thinking that's going to make you a better cook. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not. You got to actually <laughs> do the cooking, right? Yeah. You have to actually do the writing. So midway through, I just abandoned it and I merged the workbook and the book together, cut a lot of the traditional parts of a book out, put in a lot of the exercises in the book, said, you know, write in this here. And, I mean, made, made it really welcoming for people to pick up a pen and write. And I'm right. really, and it's, yeah. Because I'm showing a picture. I mean, it's 
big old workbook, right? It's um, big. It's it's workbook <laughs> format. I really want to just yeah. get that idea that my gosh, you better pick up a pen when you get this thing and it's okay to write in it because that's yeah. how you're going to get the value from it is doing yeah. the ideas in it. Yeah. I actually, one, uh, one of the books I wrote had, had prompts in it every day and you were supposed to write in it. And I can't tell you how many people wrote back to me and said, oh no, I can't write in the book. You need to produce a workbook. Precisely. <laughs> I'm one of those people. It's like, I must've gotten my hand slapped for writing a book when I was a child, <laughs> right. because it's like, even if there's prompts, it's like, ah, I'm not going to write in that. What are you, what are you nuts? <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about some of the, the exercises, maybe, maybe, I mean, there are many, many exercises. So maybe pick out a handful and say, well, here's what you'll encounter you know, on this exercise, just to give sure. people a flavor. Yeah, so sure. So I'll give you two really radically different ones. Uh, one of them, which I really enjoy, is just to strip out everything except the punctuation. And it's something that you've written. And it's so interesting because it tells you something about your sentence structures. Wait a minute. So we're uh, just left with periods and commas? Is that what you're periods, saying? Periods, commas, okay. semicolons, dashes, just the punctuation. And All then, kinds of exclamation points for exclamation me. Exclamation points. You get to see, it's like, oh, wow, I really do use a lot of exclamation <laughs> points. And I did this, and then I did the same thing for other writers that I admire in different genres. You know, so for mm. a literary writer who I, author who I'm on his email list, I did it for one of his posts. And his punctuation was much more free-flowing than mine. It was very interesting. Huh. So that was kind of fun. Uh, and then on another extreme, one of these exercises where I ask people to test their extremes I have an exercise called fancy or folksy and to take the same thing and write it in as erudite or obscure or fancy. Just, I mean, set the dial to 11 on that. Yeah. I mean, just go <laughs> be crazy, be nutsy, just do something super out there. Yeah. And then to do something that's super folksy or slangy or, or just way more than you would ever do. And I just, I had so much fun doing these first of all. So it's like, it's, it's like a warm up. It loosens things yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And it also makes you think, you know, wait, there was that thing there. My metaphors got looser when I got folksy or, you know, yeah, it, it yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. You test the extremes and then you find maybe your center could be a little one way or the other. So those are two of the kinds of exercises. All right. Because nobody's going to listen unless I mention AI today. Yes. Yes. Where do you think we'll, I, I mean, there's lots of opinions about AI and writing in general, but where, where do you think we land with, with style and tone and voice? So this is so interesting because as I was writing and working and researching, AI was really, you know, chat GPT was evolving in crazy ways. And a part of me first thought, oh my gosh, you know, if you can just ask chat GPT to make your writing funny, it's going to do it. And maybe yeah. no one needs this book. Right. And I've completely switched. I think that AI actually is making us think about voice more yeah. than we did. So it's very interesting. I think the book is timely in a way I didn't expect with that, yeah. Yeah. which is we read something first and we go, oh, that was written by AI, right? There's no yeah. human there. So there's, we're aware of when voice is off or missing or generic. And I think we recognize the value that there is in a real human voice connection. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really who we are, that, that human connection. So. Theoretically, wouldn't machine learning be able to read enough Hemingway to produce Hemingway voice? Sure. I mean, you can ask it to write something like, sure. you know, this author, that author, you know, Hemingway, and, and people are, you know. So, you know, if that's what you want to do, if you want to upload everything yours and say, write it yeah. in my style, you know, you could do that for little transactional writing and things. Yeah. But I think that the reason that we connect with someone, you know, if you're writing as a solopreneur or small business owner, I think your value is, is yourself, is your personality. Yeah, yeah. And I abdicate that is to give up something that is important to your brand. I think that 
AI could be an incredible tool as part of the writing process. And I'm, I, I'm working still on how I integrate it into yeah. my writing process. Yeah. It's, it's a great assistant, video. you know, yeah. but, but I'm with you. I, I think where the real edges of voice are, you know, I might say something like, well, that was a load of crap. I mean, I might write something like that. I don't think AI would ever write that. And I think that's yeah. the edges of our voice that it'll never be able to, to pick up because it might be how we're feeling that day. That's right. It's, it's not, it's, it's for the most part, trending to the middle, trending to the norm yeah, right. language patterns. That's what it's looking for is language yeah, patterns. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to abdicate that. And, and I think, you know, when I read something from you, John, I can see your voice. I can see your written. Yeah. I can picture you and I don't want to lose that. So if AI helps more people get things out into the world that are authentically their ideas and their thoughts, then that's great. But I just would be really careful about asking it to write for you. Yeah. Have it write metadata on your web pages all day long. Title tags, descriptions, <sighs> go for it. <laughs> please, please. And it's it's a lovely non-judgmental brainstorming right. buddy. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you can yeah. give it an idea. It comes back with ideas and you're like, yeah, that's okay. Actually, that metaphor is kind of lame, but it made me think of this other one, which I exactly. think is better, you know? So yeah, yeah. I use it for those kinds of things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uses. Like I said, it's a tool. We can use it well. We can use it poorly. I think the great writers will learn how to use it well and be more effective and yeah. efficient. Yeah, you know, and that's a great point. I mean, I think even for, for marketers, it's not going to replace marketers, but somebody who is um, strategically focused, who is using AI might replace marketers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I mean, that's the key. It's like, you almost have to be using these, but you have to be using them in, in the right way. That's, that's so, true. And so we're yeah, all, that's so. a learning curve. We're all climbing still. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And of course, you know, a year from now, you and I will be having a totally different conversation about too, right? So that's, exactly. that's part of the climb, right? <laughs> right. So, so, and you want to tell people where they might connect with you and obviously pick up a copy of the writer's voice or any of your other works. Sure. So the easiest thing is just to look for my website, which is my name and with a silent e janzer.com i do a i have an email list that i share writing practices every other week and once a month i do a drawing for a writing related book and is just entertaining if you want to be part of that and the book is available in any place you can buy books if they don't carry it you can order it from them but it's called the writer's voice this seems like a good workshop are you doing a workshop with this that is in my Ball thing to figure out because yeah, yeah it's practically got workshop built into it, right? It, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But doing it, doing it with a cohort, I think would be kind of fun. I think it would be a lot of fun to share those uh -huh. exercises with people. So <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. I think you're right. Well, Anne, it was great catching up with you and and having you spend a few moments at the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And uh, hopefully, we'll run into you one of these days soon out there on the road. Yes, thanks a lot, John. It's great being back.